We continue our look at the Yuzhan Vong War on today's episode of Tapcaf Transmissions with Dark Tide Rune. As a note, guys, next week we'll be covering the first chronological arc of Tales of the Jedi. That's Golden Age of the Sith, or five full issues. So if you want to participate, make sure you read along. And of course, send your emails to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. But back to the present, let's talk about the Yuzhan Vong and roll the intro. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Tap Calf Transmissions. After a long hiatus, we are finally back and ready to talk some more Star Wars. I am one of your hosts, Corey, joined as usual by the other host, Mr. Justin What's my name again? It's been so long. Oh, thanks for the reminder. Um, yeah, it's what was it? Three weeks? Two weeks that we took off? We've missed two. Well, not really missed. We I think we had two weeks without an episode, so it's really been been three no, weeks. No, it was more, wasn't it? Because did we miss two for your vacation? And then did we cancel last week because you were sick? Or uh, or no, we didn't cancel. Yeah, I this think it was. The, yeah, it was just two weeks because I left on the two Thursdays ago, then got back last Thursday. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, it's two, been uh, two weeks missed. It's been three weeks. Like if you count all the yeah. days, it's been twenty-one days. Yeah. But uh, only two episodes that we've missed. So it's yeah. not. It could be worse. I thought you were going to go like full rent and like it's say how many minutes and yeah. Oh, you were going. I'm, like, I was going to go bare naked ladies, ladies yeah. instead. But okay. it's been I do that sometimes and Kelsey just hates it. Like there was a <laughs> while where like she would just be walking and I'd go, it's been and it would just it would just really, really affect her emotionally. So that's yeah, why it, I kept doing it. She's wrong, but I can I can see where she's coming from. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, for those of you who are watching on the video version of this podcast, uh, you'll notice that Eck has been replaced by his usual doge for this week. Uh, he he vomited all over the room right before we started, and it's kind of we didn't want to put you through that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the uh, just vomit, tears, and uh, and feces everywhere. So the Rangers you... game is going really poorly, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, it's going really poorly. But uh, but yeah, I so I did catch COVID as well, but uh. Thankfully, it was like at the perfect time. So as we mentioned, I went on vacation for a week. I left two Thursdays ago, kind of right when we would have filmed or recorded. Um, we were planning on recording, but I just got way, way, way too busy. Um, yeah, then, we were going to pre-record, but then you would have had to read the book before going and yeah. would have had to work out a day. It just it ended up not working out as well as we were hoping. Yeah. Anyone who's like does YouTube kind of knows that um vacations are kind of a double-edged sword like on one hand it's really nice getting to go away for a week but like the amount of preparation work you need yeah. to do like ends up giving you like two really stressful weeks at least yeah it's like how charlie's got to be planning a, a vacation coming up because since i've met him he's been talking about how he's going to use this day to get ahead and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly so so yeah the, the book wasn't possible um and then we, I got back from my trip and we got COVID. I think from, I don't think we actually got it from traveling. Um, I think we got it from uh, my son's school uh, mm. because ir irresponsible parents, basically. Children are um, just like disease vectors. That's all they are. 
Yeah. And of course, they've totally been fine. There was one day where they were like a bit mad. Like they both have it too, I'm pretty sure. He definitely does. She's a little too young to to put through the test, uh, especially where she almost certainly has it. But um, but yeah, they've been pretty much fine. I was a, a bit banged up for a couple days. Not like, you know, like actually like, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital or anything. Just like it's a really shitty cold. That's right. what what we felt like, but but my wife and I were also double vaxxed and boosted, so not too bad for us. Still very unpleasant, but uh, today is like the first day or the, or the second day where I'm like pretty much back to normal. So a bit more of a, a bit more isolation than back into the real world, which would be nice. Well, force some downtime after your vacation. You get to take the the post vacation vacation a little bit. <laughs> yeah except i've kind of wanted to like throw the kids at, like at a grandparent or something and that this has affected my ability to do yeah. that um that's yeah. just a good way to kill grandparents <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and actually my parents they they actually left to go on they to a trip to jamaica every year and they left kind of right as we were returning so yeah so this you didn't a- you didn't line that up yeah no, and I'm like, I don't know how my dad's doing because he's a huge hockey fan. And I'm like, Dad, you're missing the playoffs. And then, like, of course, every night he's like in his, they rent a condo. Uh, and of course, every night he's like, yeah, mom's out at the beach and I'm watching hockey. <laughs> <laughs> is he like, uh, a Rangers guy, too? Or is he? Got no, a he's, a, he's a Leafs fan. Oh, that's so I'm, I'm, it's sad, too, because I've been looking forward to, like, watching hockey with him all year. And we have, and then, you know, there have been times during the pandemic or whatever where I've had to miss it. And I've been like looking forward to watching the playoffs and then he's gone. And like the Leafs are so questionable, like he'll be back for round two, but the Leafs may not be. So, yeah. Yeah. It's spoiler, sad. the Leafs won't. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But uh, we've had some some big Star Wars news come out mm. over the last few days. We've had, of course, some lego star wars dlc that's released some really good yeah. some a little bit underwhelming uh yeah what are your thoughts on on those have you tried them all out the lack of voiceovers in all of them is pretty mm. disappointing uh but yeah. i i bought the this i guess season pass whatever it was called yeah, the character pack so i've Blocks got of all of them uh i haven't actually played with the most recent ones yet but the ahsoka, like the ahsoka one, one looks ahsoka really good is really good yeah i think that it's a bit frustrating too because I like I understand they're they're very cheap packs. I think they're two ninety nine American, three ninety nine Canadian. Um so it's like I understand maybe you can't get Ashley Eckstein or or whoever to do Ahsoka, but for like the Bad Batch especially, like you had the voice actor in for them, like already having to record a bunch of lines. It would have been nice if they'd just taken the extra time to, you know get some stuff recorded in advance yeah I, i'd wonder there if it's more of an issue with localization like they wouldn't want to commit yeah. to doing the localization it's for possible. everything so it just made more sense to keep it consistent from the start and not have it like obviously i'd still prefer that they they do it but i don't think it was just like the kind of thing where it's yeah no one thought of it there must be it, some kind of reason even it's if it's weird because like i i agree it's just like a little bit strange that the the premium characters like the bad batch or like like all the you know mandalorian all these characters are kind of less fleshed out than like yeah. really strange like pod racers from episode one like Mac have full voices max rebo has a full voice you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and as he should but 
Full yeah. voice and extra limbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I do want to, on that note, some of you who listened to the YouTube stream uh, last time may have noticed that my my uh, our first foray into the uh, the Glup Shido, what, what what was the name of the official uh, oh, thing? The Glup Shido Appreciation Award or something? Yeah, so... We started this new thing every day or every every podcast where we cover a new uh, character. And what happened last episode is my <laughs> I lost my notes. I just straight up lost my notes. Rather so rather why, than just like put it off. No one knew this was coming. So rather than just like put it off well, for the no, next I, I episode. I had my notes at the beginning of the stream, though, when we talked about it. So but anyway, if you did... You might want to go check out the audio recording of the podcast because I actually went through. I found my notes again, re-recorded what I was supposed to have um, a little less shitty. And of course, guys, just a reminder, too. I'm saying this as we're getting a little off track at the beginning here. Every episode now, we do have timestamps on the podcast. So if you want to go straight to the Glup Shido appreciation or if you really want to go back and listen to something or skip ahead through our intro, use the timestamps. They're pretty detailed as well. And the Glup Shido Appreciation Award will be returning next week. And that did next you? Week, okay. Okay. So you didn't prepare one off uh, on vacation. Well, it's it's your turn yeah. this time. Well, yeah. So all the regular segments are one regular segment we've done once. We'll be coming back next time. Well, you don't uh, have one for this week. No, I didn't. I didn't even know for sure if we were going to be able to do the podcast okay, tonight okay. until oh, yeah, okay. yesterday fair afternoon because no, fair enough. You might have been dead. Yeah. Then no, I would have true. researched an obscure Star Wars character for nothing. I mean, it could have been a video. Listen, I could still die as well, so... You could. I mean, we, so could anybody. We could only hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the Kenobi trailer that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We got to see Uncle Owen mm-hmm. give it to Obi-Wan a little bit, but we're... Yeah. Only, Owen like, was three weeks away? Inc- yeah, it feels like it's sneaking right up on... A, I've, I've seen, like, a lot of complaints uh, from people on Reddit. Surprise, surprise. About um, how, oh, Disney's mishandling the marketing. Like, I think Disney very much knows what they're doing with Kenobi. They just have always have some show running that they're kind of cautious yeah. about, like, kneecapping their own. Yeah, like, like the, the last episode for How I Met Your Father only just went up this week on Disney Plus. So they needed to make sure that was out of the way, unless there was something else you're talking about in that space. Is that actually. A Disney is that a thing? It's and, uh, I think it's on. It's from Star, so it's part of uh, okay. Disney Plus. Like the streaming release for it is through that. But mm, okay, yeah. So, well, Moon Knight is is the other the yeah. smaller one. Um, but yeah. So, I imagine we're gonna start seeing a lot more stuff. Probably, maybe not much more in the way of trailers, but just kind of a more consistent marketing presence now that Moon Knight has sort of wrapped up. I don't, it's kind of weird to me because, like, I, I don't know what people want. Like, I understand yeah. if there's no trailers for something that's really soon out and then it's like, OK, what are they what are they doing? But like we've mm-hmm. had two trailers for Kenobi. We've had a couple teasers. Why would yeah. you want more than that for a TV show? Like, do you want to see all the like people already complain about stuff being too spoiled beforehand? Mm-hmm. And like, it's not like people don't know that Kenobi is coming out. Yeah, especially where it's a it's a mini series. It's six episodes. Um, like, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it's also not the thing where I'm I'm honestly not really that concerned with it being. I, I think it's going to be huge. 
Uh, I I don't. People are saying it's going to be bigger than the Mandalorian. I think people are wrong about that, um, and maybe overestimating the reach of Kenobi. I do think uh, that it's going to be big, and I I. But there's no, there's not going to be a season two. I I really don't think there's going to be a season no. two. Um, so I'm not too. There caught is. Up it's on... called a New Hope. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not too caught up on you know how well the show is going to do. I'm just excited for it. Um, it's also one of those shows where like I've not been spoiled at all on anything. Like I, it's just I'm excited. It's gonna be good. Well, I mean the the trailers we've had have spoiled what seem to be pretty big parts of the show already. Just with the two mm-hmm. we've had, uh, and I, I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast before. We might have talked about it a bit last time, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do want to avoid spoilers and trailers and stuff. So maybe we'll save that for. Uh, either right at the yeah. end if we want to talk about it or like right before Kenobi comes out we'll have a segment at the end of that episode whichever is right before Kenobi comes out and talk about it a bit there but uh yeah the the only thing I want to say with the trailer is I, like I don't think we really need to break down the trailer a whole lot maybe no. we can do a special before the show comes out the only thing I want to say is um, I'm really excited after the trailer for the introduction of one of the new characters. I believe her name is Riva. Um, one of the new, yeah, I won't even say what her role is, but she speaks in the trailer and she just, or she sounds great and I'm really excited for her. Yeah. yeah. It looks like there are a few decent villain characters coming with this, which is always mm-hmm. fun because we don't really have a lot of that in the shows yet. Like we got it with, uh, with yep. Moff Gideon, but mm-hmm. There hasn't been as much much of that yet. Maybe some forlorn for Zuckus. Yeah, I feel a bit frustrated when it comes to like major characters. Um, the one that I wish we got more of for villains is um, Max uh, Rebo. <laughs> yeah, he's always killing his uh, his clients. He causes explosions everywhere. You think he's <laughs> he not does. a fucking villain? No, I I agree. Well, I mean, a, a villain. Yeah, I guess maybe. I mean. I, I hope we learn about his fate after uh, Book of Boba Fett. He, he wasn't there. Hopefully he wasn't just in the bathroom or something. But um, but I liked uh, Commander Pride from Episode 9. Episode nine that was, yeah. yeah, he was really cool. And I really liked the actor. So I, I kind of hope maybe we see if we ever have it. Because I, I assume he was spending most of the time. I don't know if he was a First Order guy or like an Exegol guy. But it'd be cool to get some more of him at some point. Yeah, I I assume like with any more stories that come out in that period, which they do seem to still be doing, we'll hopefully mm-hmm. get a bit more on the Exegol background, especially mm-hmm. if some of the elements from like the Mandalorian do end up yep. feeding into that, which they may, yep. may, may not, but yeah. Yeah, uh, any other really big news? I'm trying to think. There's been pretty... I I've heard from a lot of people and there's been rumors that there's going to be a Star Wars Vision Season 2 which uh, I personally am all for. I thought Visions was great. I didn't like every short, but I really liked the fact that the shorts existed. Yeah. We both really liked uh, the Ronin book. Did you give it that an A? Uh, it was it was up there for me. I'm not yeah. sure exactly. I think A is right. I think I might have even given it an S or very close to an S. Uh, really liked that book. So more kind of diverse uh, storytelling would be great. Um, other than that, I don't, think there was a whole lot there was a couple episodes of the halo show i'm three episodes behind now um, me too i i don't think i've 
stayed caught up since our last discussion of it. Mostly so just heard, for not having a chance to, but yeah, I heard that the last episode, like the the most recent one, today's I guess was was awful, and the past two were kind of the best yet. So kind of excited to get caught up on that. I watched like the uh, the episode after the one we talked about had like this big action scene, and I watched that in the airport <laughs> waiting in line for Starbucks because it came out when I was on my way for my trip. Um, so that that was a good little bit of diversion. But yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot else to talk about before we get into the novel, unless there's something you want to. Uh, no, there's uh, there's been the the news that uh, there's a new Star Wars game in development, but it's, oh it, yeah, it it doesn't seem like it's the a traditional game game, so mm. it was a bit vague on that. So there's really not much we know about it. So uh, what what was the project? Was it a thirteen thirteen developer? No, it, it was, was a canceled Project, game. It was called Project Ragtag. Right. It it is going to be a traditional game. It's just I think it's going to be well, the Project Ragtag, it's hard to say because if if it is kind of a new take on that, that was basically like supposed to be I think like a linear sort of uncharted style game. Well, the um, the only press release we've gotten for it was like a interactive storytelling experience integrating elements of Oh, uh, is that what it said? Which okay. yeah, like it which could easily just be yeah. kind of corporate PR speak for not giving too mm -hmm. much away at the start and yeah. end up being a game. Because like that's been the case with other things that have had those announcements before. Yeah. But it could also be more like uh, the old Zelda CD-ROM games and the Mario ones that were very mm -hmm. weird. Well, excuse <laughs> that one. Yeah. I wonder what's for dinner. Yeah. That's, that's just the what came to my mind when I was reading the, the strive thing. for. But anyways, let's move on to our third New Jedi Order book. We've talked about Vector Prime. We've talked mm -hmm. about Dark Tide Onslaught. But now it's time for what everyone's been waiting for, Dark Tide Ruin. Mm -hmm. And the ruin refers to Ethor. See, <laughs> you, you got to pay attention to the book to really pick up on those clues. But that's what yeah. it is. And the Dark Tide is actually the Yuzon Vong War effort. Or Elagos Akla's day. His day was ruined. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. So, okay, so so yeah, this one basically picks off pretty much right after Dark Tide One. Uh, what did you think of this book overall? Was this kind of up there with enjoyment for the last one? Did you like it more or less? What's kind of your thoughts? For some reason, I was struggling to get into this one yeah. as much, even just after reading the the prior one. I'm really mm. not sure what it was, uh, but. I, I do enjoy Corrin as a character a lot, so I always like having him around. But yeah, it's, it's it's almost like the the ending of the last book of Onslaught and the start first half or so of this book kind of dragged together and Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There are parts of this book that are really good. I like that the Imperial Remnant is now kind of being introduced, although, you know, they're very whitewashed in a way. Um yeah. This does do the kind of X-Wing thing where it's like everything is about Corrin. Uh, Corrin is, which it's it's not necessarily bad, but I don't know if everything here necessarily suits the story super well, especially the ending um, where basically Corrin is kind of sent off and he's, the, the New Jedi Order kind of disassociates themselves 
themselves from him yeah uh, because of his involvement with the, the duel against shadow shy um and that's just like it, it just it that felt like some of the bad parts of the x-wing novels to me i guess yeah. um as does the fact that you know it's always corn in, in a valiant stand he's always mortally injured but just manages to pull through some of that's good but i felt two books in a row of kind of that was maybe a little bit much especially where the first book i one thing that i really liked is that we got a really broad view of the war Mm -hmm. we had leia who was almost totally absent from this book besides for a few mentions we've got luke we've got others and all these plot threads are kind of handled well so the corn stuff is not too overwhelming and i've never really felt corn you know to be a bit much but in this book all the focus on him um and kind of uh corn's putting the weight of the galaxy on his shoulders again it was almost a bit much yeah like in the x-wing books the fact that so much of it is from corn's perspective even though they Mm -hmm. are quite important events doesn't really detract from anything because it's like you know you're seeing this perspective of this guy uh, but mm. in NJO, when so much has to connect, it, yeah. it some of the ways that it gets centered on Corrin feel a little bit jarring in the way, like in the first book, having him as kind of a, a lens to see the the like Jedi schism through really works. But mm-hmm. in here, uh, some of those differences, because Ganner is basically the character on the opposite side of the of that riff from Corrin that we get the most of. But by the end of the last book and by the start of this book, he's kind of all on board the Corrin Horn mm-hmm. is awesome train. And the way Corrin does get sent away at the end. So basically, uh, the Yusan Vong discover that Ithor could be a big problem for them because these the trees of Ithor have a pollen that basically all their stuff is allergic to. So mm-hmm. Corrin, the Vong are going there. Corrin and the New Republic, along with uh, the Imperials, head there as well. And they're trying to figure out how they can buy some time to get refugees off the planet. So Corin challenges Shido Shai, the Vong commander, to a duel where he basically says, I'll give you the bones of your ancestors that were on Bimiel from the prior book. If uh, if mm-hmm. you win and if I win, we get to keep Ethor. And so even though Corin wins, the Vong go back on their word because none of them really cared what shit shy had to say anyways mm-hmm. and corin ends up getting blamed for this and i i can i can see it, it would be some somewhat realistic for him to be scapegoated like that yeah but the book never really it seems like the book is going further in the direction of people blaming corin and not even really having the characters acknowledge that it doesn't really make any sense just that uh because the debate ends up being that was Corrin right or wrong to take Ethor's fate in his hands? But he wasn't even offering mm-hmm. up Ethor. He was offering up yeah, the bones. Exactly. And he could have saved Ethor. But it's felt, by the end, more like Michael Stackpole just didn't want to let other people write Corrin for the rest of the series. Yeah, and it's kind of... it. You know, we see some some similar aspects, or I guess a similar thing in like the old X-Wing novels as well. It's not Corrin, but uh, there are several characters who are scapegoated. Um, most notably, what's Tycho. his name? Tycho. Uh, it's slightly different situation, but kind yeah. of a similar thing where it's someone who we know is good, uh, and he's largely being um, attacked by the unreasonable masses. Uh, I just it it the 
uh, there were just a few things, I guess, about how Corin centered this was that bothered me. Uh, that was one, and the the Elagos Akla thing was another. Like, I, I actually forgot that Elagos Akla was in I Jedi and that they had that relationship. But to me, Corin is not the one who I think of having a close relationship with him. I think more of Leia. Um, yeah. So, I guess it just felt a bit. I guess it just felt a bit forced to have the whole Elagos Akla, his death, and everything about that be so core and focused. When I really felt like, you know, Elagos Akla was a lot more to a lot of people rather than just kind of, um, you know, how he's portrayed in these two novels, which I, I actually did feel was a little bit off of how his character felt, and like the Thrawn duology and some other stuff. I don't know. Like, I. I was fine with most of how he was used here. I do wish we got a bit more of Leia's reaction to it because, mm-hmm. uh, well, uh, his relationship with Corn and I Jedi was definitely super important. Like mm-hmm. his relationship with Leia was also really important in yeah. uh, in the Thrawn duology, but also that it gets alluded to a few times. And she's yeah. the two of them are such a tight pair, even in just the opening of the other two books mm-hmm. so far. That yeah, that's what was surprising when Leia like she gets acknowledged as being there. She has the meeting with Pellian at the start, and then she is acknowledged as being at uh, Tifonda Bay or mm-hmm. with the New Republic commanders, and mm-hmm. just there, we don't really get anything from her, and that that does feel like a kind of underused part of. Yeah, I, I just thought Leia was kind of weird in this book, just in general, because she's actually there for a lot of it, and there's even a few scenes where she's kind of like her presence is felt somewhat, but like, yeah, she's never, you you get nothing from her perspective. You don't really get very much in really in terms of like dialogue from her. Um, And I just feel like, especially where the kids are going through a lot right now and Han is away, like it would have been nice to kind of get maybe some of her like motherly touch uh, for parts of the novel. Well, Han's trying to have a drink with uh, with the kids. <laughs> yeah. How old Don't are they? Like 16 them. and yeah. it's 25, 26 ABY. Yeah. So they'd be 16, 17 for the older ones and Anakin's 15. And like the, the drinking Don't age is probably drink lower. My own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably they're probably above the legal drinking age in Star Wars. It's probably not like the States, but it's mm-hmm. just that's uh, that's where Han immediately goes. So, yeah. We I guess do we have... do get a bit of just 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 to be fair too, we do get some Leia stuff at the very beginning, just as I'm thinking. We do, but like that's just going to talk to Pelion. Yeah. And I don't know. It, some of that also fits into another thing that I think is a little overdone in this book, which is the whole, oh, like no one actually has any material disagreements with the Empire. It's not about the fact that they're overcoming their differences for the mm-hmm. sake of fighting the Vong because it's necessary. It's that like any historical slights are actually imagined and they just, there should be no, uh, no barriers to their cooperation on this. Yeah. Despite the fact that like, like one interesting way they could have done that is, well, the, the empire are fascists and they're definitely not individualists. So like, they probably wouldn't give a shit about Ithor's weird planetary traditions. You know what I mean? So like that could have been a sticking point between, Pelion and in the New Republic that that could have been interesting because you're right like they're basically just it's almost like oh yeah they're they're brothers who 
you know, yeah. they fight sometimes, but but you know, they love each other. And I don't end. even think Pelion would need to object that strongly to like honoring the Athorian traditions before they're able to do anything. Like he already has a few things mm-hmm. with how Corn wants to deal with it, saying like, "Oh, this would never fly with us." Yeah, you're right. But if that's what happens, that's what happens. But like the the opposition to them working together. Uh, like the issues that some people would have are put entirely up to being unreasonable and power hungry like Borsk. Like mm-hmm. there are a few times where it's not even that the the problems go unmentioned, which would be probably fine because it just it suits the story that it's about them coming together or whatever. But it, mm-hmm. there's a few places where it kind of goes out of its way to say like any of the issues anyone had with the Empire were just imagined. Yeah, when like even the like and there's one moth who's like seen as being particularly like pragmatic compared to some of the other ones. And I, I will say that is something that I kind of remember like legacy of the forest doing a bit better where like Pelion is trying to like get a hold of all of these moths who are like, just they're just a different breed than like those in the GA. Um, and they want different things. And I think that like that series handles the empire a little bit better than they've been handled so far in this um where like yeah there are there are fundamental disagreements even when political goals are somewhat aligned um and yeah like like even the even the one like zoomer imperial who's like yeah i wasn't even really alive when palpatine was around like the you know there's still a fundamental difference between the empire and it's like fundamental and like it's like a key philosophical aspect of star Wars. Like the empire is a fascist, like dictatorial government. And like star Wars, this whole message is that that is bad. So I think you got to be careful when you're handling them and um, kind of like you're explaining, um, making it seem like any disagreements we had were more imagined than anything else. Yeah. Like we, we have enough, uh enough examples of Pelion being like he's not an out and out humans are better than than aliens but like he definitely has some issues with uh with aliens getting power or having to work with them in prior books or at least mm-hmm. he commiserates with other people saying hey this sucks that we have to do this but in mm-hmm. this like trace just goes out of his way apropos of nothing to say hey Pelion it's clear you don't hate aliens even though, like, his introductory scene is him He's like, talking actually. about how weird Rook is. And yeah. at the start of Vision of the Future, like, yeah, Rook is creepy. But at the start of Vision of the Future, or uh, Spectre of the Past, there's the moths that he's talking to. And they're like, ah, oh, consorting with aliens. Who would have thought the Empire would come to this? Rather than being Pel- yeah. rather than Pelion saying, hey, we need to work with them to move forward. Which, mm-hmm. like, at least that would be one way to dodge it. But like he gets so much credit as like, oh no, he actually stopped the anti-alien bias in the in the empire. He didn't even say that. He just said like, oh yeah, it does suck that these aliens are around so much. <laughs> yeah, f- fuck the aliens. Actually, uh, yeah. What what would you give for you know about ten thousand rooks running around now? Um, <laughs> because the Nogri are like pretty much everyone in this. They're getting slaughtered outright as well. Um, they're trying. They really are. And they're somewhat effective. But I mean, yeah. They just, <laughs> they keep getting their asses handed to them in these two yeah. books. Yeah. The, the books like go to their way to just like, they're just getting like effortlessly annihilated. Like, yeah. 
the one almost gets killed by act in the first book i think one's like he's thrown or he's it's just yeah, like, yeah. bullpore shows up in, i think he's introduced in the first book and dies then he yeah. gets mentioned once in the first dark tide book where his name is spelled wrong <laughs> and there are two that are introduced in this that i don't think are ever mentioned again as leia's two new guards well one does die in this book doesn't he uh one of the ones in the in the strike team uh the strike team yeah uh that's with like corn and ganner the one who says yeah and if you want to get to the jedi or no i actually don't think it's that one (laughs) i think it is that one because he charges one of the them. yeah and until we get cacman and mewal not that interested yeah because like those are the ones that's cabarack mewal and cac yeah they're the ones ones that that really stick around for like i like i think cacman and mewal are there for like Pretty much all of Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi, if I remember correctly. So I think at least one of them is around before now as well. Like, is Cabarak okay. not around? Yeah, I th- at some point in Cabarac- the future. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> like these two, Olmok and Baskbacon, <laughs> never hear of them again. Have you ever? Um, have you ever watched The Office? Yeah. You know um that scene where Dwight turns around and like Angela's standing there and she's like really short and he looks over and he's like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I imagine That's like Pelly and Rook. Yeah, every Ogre is like like they just turn around this like short little thing is just staring at you from like with just like no sense of like just so like no social sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. Especially because they're so <laughs> silent. <laughs> Uh, yeah good stuff or no Greek. they've been through so much i love them too i, re- I really do but uh, or solution i think it's corin his solution of the war of like do you think we can convince the vong to take some no bodyguards that that could work <laughs> yeah could have um well, actually speaking of that there's one thing they do in this book that is really smart and that i i really remember it, it really stuck with me when i read it way back whenever the first time or the second time that's the scene with the bunker um and it's something that they they kind of touch on obviously the vong hate technology what the the new republic does is they basically load a bunker it's it's a fake bunker like it's they it's a it's a fake fortification full of these barely functional droids knowing that it's going to infuriate the yuzhan vong who of course rushed the bunker which is filled with explosives um i just i thought that was really clever and i i kind of wish the maybe they do and i just don't remember but that's something i'd like to see the the series play with a lot obviously you get the the yvh droids somewhat that are kind of built around that idea that was a fun little moment i thought yeah that was one of the things that i think the njo does really well overall is the actual methods of warfare evolving and like mm-hmm. the tricks that each side kind of does mm-hmm. uh like it does evolve over time and it's less just like oh here's this line of ships versus this line of ships yeah and especially the stuff that plays on the fact that they uh they don't really understand each other they don't really operate on the same uh just fundamental level and that's what Elegos mm-hmm. is kind of looking into so mm-hmm. The fact that we're starting to see them take advantage of that on each side is one of the more interesting parts of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And we even get like, 
Uh, that's one thing I like too that this book does really well, or this series does really well, rather. And it is a function of having a well planned out series with kind of these these writers all tackling the same war. Like you mentioned, not only do you get the evolution of warfare, but you also kind of know how battles are going to play out. There's a good sense of what the sides are working with. Whereas, like in an old Bantam era book, where especially like if if they're a couple years apart the scale of the universe feels completely different. Like you don't know whether it's going to be starfighters that change the day, whether a star destroyer is as powerful as 10 Mon calamari cruisers or one, you know what I mean? Um, whereas this, I really like that they've kind of set up these really key features of the Vong armada, yeah. the, the fleet, especially the Dovin basils kind of so far have worked pretty much like you'd expect them to. Uh, we'll get the war coordinators more later on and they end up kind of being big. Um, and yeah, that's just, it's a nice thing that it helps with the feeling of continuity, yeah. I think. And and like you said, in this book, we get the advancement where the uh, the New Republic had been sort of shuttering their, or stuttering their lasers, these little low power shots. The Vong have started to evolve with that. So now the big capital ships are responding by firing off these really powerful volleys, which are able to, uh, to, to kind of uh, counteract the lower shielding that the Vong are using to deal with the sort of saturation fire which is kind of cool yeah and how they're like detonating the torpedoes before they get absorbed so like it might not do the full damage of impacting it but it's still at least getting something out there mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of little evolutions like that and as much as it may seem like alagos's journey to understand the vong doesn't come to much here and ends up with him dying mm -hmm. like both sides are kind of gaining from that and it kind of uh, it hints to what some elements of the ultimate resolution of the war will be, aside from just getting a giant planet to come and take away the surviving ones. But like, Which absolutely does happen. <laughs> yeah, like Shadow Shai is the only one who realizes, like, oh, I've learned enough about them to understand like what's going on with this bunker. Aside from him just being like yeah. smarter than your average Chazrek slave, but <laughs> the the. The different roles of the like, the way the Yuzon Vong society is structured and the the fact that there's not such fundamental differences between them as individuals and like there are still people within Yuzon Vong society who it doesn't benefit and like the the shamed ones do ultimately start cooperating with the New Republic even yeah. if they're under Namenor's leadership for most of that because he just wants power back but like what Elagos kind of starts the ball rolling on does become mm -hmm. a big factor in how we explore the war going forward, especially after Star by Star. Yeah, it, part of the problem is that Shade Out Shy is like, he's one of, even compared, well, especially compared to like No Minor, who is fairly pragmatic, he's willing to take a, I think it's a Y Wing or an A Wing at one point. Shade Out Shy is like the complete opposite, where he's a total zealot. Yeah. Um, so he respects a lot of what Elagos Akla does because to be honest it's simply because their kind of philosophies line up on certain things elogus aqua is very brave uh but shade out shy is is like the the most crazy vong we've seen so far he's totally into the uh you know the the pain aspect of their religion he's always spending time in the embrace of pain he's inflicting the most kind of brutal injuries on himself he's always popping bones out or putting his fingers through his hand like pretty gruesome stuff um but he's whereas, also the first one we see that like graphs that that they are operating in a different way and tries yeah. to understand what that actually means for them 
Yeah. Like he's using it just because he wants it as a, a way to actually mm -hmm. inflict what he wants on them. But yeah. he does kind of open that door a little bit. Yes. And I, I mean, I guess all of this, we also get a bit of a look into the actual philosophy of like, uh, I think this is probably the first rationale. Maybe we've got a little before now of why they kind of embrace pain like they do. Yeah. Does that work? Does it work for you or no? Not really. Like the yeah, me neither. Yeah, the it's a big the thing, and it's it it sucks because the Vong are such a they're an interesting enemy, and it's a, it's a fun series of novels. But so many people are, I think, fairly put off by the fact that they're essentially like the edgiest aliens possible. Um, well, I think it gets better in Trader. Like, I think Trader does a much better job of laying out mm -hmm. what's going on there. And it should because it's got like the entire book is just about that. Whereas yeah. here, it's our first look at uh, at that element of them or the first attempt we see anyone from the galaxy of like trying to figure out what's going on here. So I don't think it mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a, a shortcoming that it doesn't make sense yet. Like part yeah, of no, the intent fair. is that they they remain like even if you do get that little bit of a glimpse into what they're trying to go mm -hmm. for, like they're still mm -hmm. supposed to be such a an alien force that is yeah 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 no I, I think that's fair. It's just a lot of people don't get that far partially because yeah. they see the Vong as these weird you know um, sadomasochists and so right now they kind of uh explanation they give and and i i think that vong society gets very interesting especially with what do they call it again they're like cortex of knowledge or yeah like, like the it's the cortex like they have the eighth cortex and then the ninth yeah. cortex doesn't I, exist, I really like so. that stuff and i like how like it turns out <laughs> that a lot of it's just bullshit well i mean yeah but um a lot of people would read kind of the existence is pain and life is pain. And that's the only constant. So we've got to rip our, our arms out of our, our shoulders and do all these things. A lot of people would read this, get this far and kind of just tap out because they'd think yeah. it's stupid. Well, there and are I, even hints so far of like, these are the warriors that we're seeing. Like yes. the, the shapers even gets, get kind of, uh, yeah. Poo pooed. I should have shy that. Uh, and the, yeah, the shapers and the priests, yeah. right? And yeah. the Praetorate Vong is the politicians. Like, if you're a politician yeah. from anywhere in this, no yeah, matter what me. you're doing, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're getting turned into a bone stew, then <laughs> your name is shit. Unless, unless you're small government flat tax merge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, yeah, fuck politicians for sure. Um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see kind of how the how kind of the Fong side is further kind of elaborated on in, in more novels because this is the most we see of them as of this point. We we get a bit from the uh, the Vong infiltrator on um, an ex gal. We get a bit from Nome Nor, who who I think is probably one of the most interesting Yuzhan Vong, especially the way his story ends, which. I'll try not to talk about too much yet, but uh, yeah, this is the, the most perspective we get this whole novel, and it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, so uh, again, that'll be something that we get into a lot more once Jason gets taken prisoner. Like that is ninety nine percent of Traitor, which I think is when it gets the most interesting. So that's a big plot line for us to follow. 
Uh, but the other yeah. one that's kind of going on for most of the series is that schism between the Jedi, where mm. Luke's faction is kind of going against Kip's faction. And I do think that the series does kind of struggle to set up what exactly Luke and Corrin are going for, uh, like what their position really is. Um, you know why, though? Like, sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I think the reason why there's such a struggle with this is because a book where, and this is something that Star Wars has struggled with a lot, in my opinion, a book where a Jedi is like a Jedi should be is not a very interesting book to read. I don't think, you know, like Star Wars, it feels like it's always in this tug of war of Jedi making, doing these Jedi things. And then also wanting to be an action series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And this book is, I feel like really struggling with that. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people rightfully point to kind of issues with the later series, Legacy of Swarm War through Fate of the Jedi and beyond. Um, and like the Sword of the Jedi probably would have made that even worse had that came out. Um, and I honestly like, and we will get into that philosophy as well. Um, in later, later on, certainly in Traitor, when they talk about kind of what is being a Jedi. But I, I do think like in this has kind of existed since, you know, Return of the Jedi, where Luke chooses not to fight Vader. And whether you like The Last Jedi or not, and I certainly have a lot of issues with that movie. Like, I think that was a really that was another really good way to portray how to be a Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sometimes a lot less exciting, um, especially when there's this big war going on. Yeah, like the they put a lot of emphasis on the difference between like offense and defense, which I think is a fair point. Like mm-hmm. it gets to the point that uh, attacking like active use on Vong military units gets but is too offensive. Yeah. And that's like, OK, you're not really going for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, in a few places, it ends up being almost portrayed that the fundamental difference between uh luke's side and kip's side is whether or not you're being a dick at that moment mm-hmm. like that that ends up being the only way that they can really portray who's who's going too far in what way because like is it, it never seems like luke and corn are actually saying we shouldn't do anything about the vong but then when they try mm-hmm. to highlight the differences at points where it's uh less relevant to the to the to the discussions where uh mm-hmm where it's not just the two groups talking to each other, once they get to the practical elements of it, then when they try to put the conflict into those, it turns into like, oh, but now if you kill Shai, uh, he's, or if you fight the Vong here, then you've put, pulled them into action. Like, they they were going to attack anyways. Yeah. Like, we knew this was happening. You're preempting their murder of a, a trillion exactly. people there. Yeah, I, you're right. I, Luke feels a little off the money here where Corrin at the end, I feel like, kind of has his head a little more straight where he's like, yeah. fighting Shadow Shy was fine. Where I am starting to go wrong is that I enjoyed it at the end because yeah. he's got a killing blow that he can lay against Shadow Shy and he waits just a second basically be, to say, fuck you to Shadow Shy. For, like because he was the one who killed Elagos, Corrin's friend, uh, and he's kind of realizing that's where things are wrong, yeah. which I think is probably a, maybe a bit more. Yeah. yeah, like it starts out in Vector Prime where it's laid out pretty well, and 
mm-hmm. then it kind of loses track of what the conflict is a little bit in this book in particular. Yeah. Then it does get back on track by the end of it with Corin. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually do like a lot of what's going on with Jason uh, mm-hmm. so far, where you He's see enough. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see enough of what's going to happen to him later, even if that's not planned yet. And mm-hmm. like where his uh, sympathies are lying. But he also, when they have that uh, that moment where they're all supposed to say what's holding them back from unifying with the forest, he basically uh, says that his problem is that he's worrying too much about what he's going to be in the future, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a good moment to hit him with the uh, with the Yoda line. <laughs> yeah, focus on the present or or the Qui Gon line from Episode One. Be mindful yeah. of I forget what exactly he says when they're on the Trade Federation the living force. But yeah. But exactly. always, never his mind on where he was, hmm? what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Just aggressively poking him in the chest. It's <laughs> <laughs> <His> fucking talons. <laughs> I do think that kind of like uh, end runs Jason's problems for the moment, but it doesn't fundamentally solve what his issue is, which is less like what's he's going to be in the future. That's part mm-hmm. of it. But it's also mm-hmm. like, what should he be doing right now? Which is the bigger part of his problem up through uh, through Traitor and Destiny's Way. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense. He is he is getting pulled in a lot of directions here. Um, just like, and because he's in the way, he's had to do some shit that's really confusing. And it's also confusing, I think, it's got to be confusing for him to see, to see Jaina, who's, and, and, and not just Jaina, but also Korin in a way too, who he's trying to make the distinction, oh, so you're not a Jedi anymore when Corrin basically, he re- kind of rejoins the military and Corrin's like, what are you talking about? I'm still a Jedi. I'm just like that. You never stop being a Jedi. Yeah. Um, and he's just, he's got no clue what to do. And it's it's also a bit weird because Jaina's in this role where she is very aggressively killing people. She's using the force um, and she's she's kind of loving it at the same time. So. Yeah, like Jaina is the only one who kind of stays on some sort of fixed path. Like she has her dark journey and dark journey, but then she <laughs> kind of gets back to where she was. And there there's the first time she sees Jag mm-hmm. uh, in this book. There was there. There's a few lines from like Jason and Jaina where it's like, uh, yeah, the military should be telling everyone what to do all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then Corin talks about like how hot uh, is it? Ganner. He talks about how hot he is um, to to Jaina. And I was like, maybe, yeah. maybe, the, maybe you shouldn't allow sixteen year old women in the military. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's like the early part where they're getting prepared for their mission, I think. And Corn yeah, comes and up they, while they're having their coffee. He's like, anyone yeah. else want to bang Ganner? <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> yeah. Ganner wants to bang Ganner. <laughs> yeah. Although, of course, Ganner has his uh, his famous moment in this one where he becomes less of a dick because he gets he gets scratched up. Yeah, I think it was weird that they had to throw in that he was listening to pain by three days grace when Jason walked in. <laughs> yeah. And then that he walks in later and Jason's listening to vindicated by. I don't even know. <laughs> Dashboard professional. <laughs> yeah. 
That'd be a fun uh, a fun thought project. Which like cheesy uh, rock song would uh, everyone be listening to during the Vong War? <laughs> Luke's a big yacht rock guy for sure. Uh, I think Chalco from this book would be like Mr. Blue Sky or something. <laughs> I think Chalco would be um, laying pipe by, I think it's Dave Wilcox. Just like, <laughs> just working man, like laying pipe all night long, you know, got to satisfy that woman. Yeah. It's not made or just uh, Angela Blue all color. along from WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Maybe. Um, I'm just looking to see if I have any other notes about this book. Uh, oh, we've got, we get, uh, Errol Numb. Uh, she was one of the original Rogue Squadron pilots. She's, yeah. uh, she's mentioned as an admiral now, so good for her. Yeah. Um, uh, I think she's the one that, uh, got another chance. Like, not, she didn't get, like, a do-over. She got the ship another <laughs> the ship, chance. Yeah. yeah. So she transitioned in Rogue Squadron to being, like, captain for all that and then became an admiral. There was uh, a few other references I noticed like that. One was the uh, they talk about the I didn't I didn't realize this, but the Athorian who was leading Ithor before the uh, the current leader. He's mentioned he's name dropped a few times. I was like, who is this guy? Of course, he's the Athorian in the Moss Eisley Canteen in episode yeah. four. <laughs> I didn't know that, but like, of course he is. <laughs> he matured from his days of getting blasted on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I found just... the I did put a note with Jaina meeting Jag. Yeah. And so the line was she admired the way he'd stood up to the New Republic's politicians, most of whom disgusted her because of the way they treated her mother. Even the imperial formality was attractive in a quaint sort of way. So the note I gave her was Junta Fell, but that's not how you pronounce the word, but I still thought it was funny at the time. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, the Empire famously treated uh Princess Leia very very well throughout history you just need the strong military to tell everyone to do it's very sensible <laughs> um speaking of military other thing i was wondering did the uh did the soon tier fell clones get the uh get the mil get the mobilization order from pelion you'd have to assume they're included in that right yeah unless unless I, they just I, thrawn didn't have access granted to all of them like that might have just been a thing that yeah discovered well, I'm remembering like at the during the the novels like or the the Thrawn duology that like they help Han. Part of that's to keep anonymous, so maybe like maybe they get moved over to like the KIA call. Although I guess those are Imperial records, so well, not much the uh, uh, fuck, what's there? That that uh, sleeper cell. That cell, I think, like officially joins the New Republic. Mm, okay. uh, like, but there's they're everywhere. There's soon tears. There's veers. There's they're all mm. over the place. And the fact that like it went out to soon tier in the mm -hmm. Empire of the Hand, like that's yeah. even more top secret than uh, than the yeah. Devis. That was a bit strange. Like how the Empire in the Hand is kind of just. Uh, it would have been nice to see the Empire of the Hand have their own Star Destroyer show up. I guess they get that later on, but like. The handling yeah. of the Empire of the Hand is always is going to get even weirder. Yeah, or uh, they're just going to become like the Chiss, basically. Well, not even just that. Like the and I, it's not just because I like I'm a big Empire of the Hand fan or something. But like in certain places, they get treated as if they're 
uh, just part of the empire. In certain places, mm-hmm. they're treated as if yeah. they're just part of the chiss. That also mm-hmm. causes problems because it sometimes end up ends up being treated as if the chiss are therefore just part of the empire, even yeah. though it's like three distinct groups. The Empire of the Hand yeah. does get a little absorbed by the Chiss, but the Chiss had no interest in ruling a bunch of other species in the Unknown Regions. Like yeah. They would have... No one wants that. So it, it yeah. just doesn't work. On any That's of what books. I find. I find the Thrawn duology a little disappointing when you read it, kind of knowing how things are going to turn out because the Empire of the Hand is such an interesting setup, but they never really get their full payoff, um, in, my, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I think it, it only ends up getting paid off in any implied way if you take like jag becoming chief of state of the empire as kind of a unification between the empire of the hand and uh the empire for the fell empire later on yeah, like, yeah as if that's all one state at that point but they don't end up mm-hmm. doing anything on their own so that's more of a separation from the chiss but, like mm-hmm. you have all the empire of the hand people talking as if they've been in chiss society and like you have Suntir on chilla all the time so mm-hmm. Uh, at least the imperial leadership maybe got eaten up into the chiss for a while and then jag like reactivates them but like it's more of a loose military confederation or something maybe like a, a sleeper nato it turns into i don't know <laughs> yeah well another kind of interesting thing with the empire of the hand is it seems this book kind of implies they've actually been engaged with the vong for like actively engaged with them for yeah. some time now. They're holding the flank, I think, is what Pelion says, which is I, I I don't know if that really that doesn't really seem to fit kind of the yeah. overall picture I get of the war. Like the the Empire of the Hand gets introduced in Vision of the Future is like the whole oh there's so many threats out here, which does leave some wiggle room for them to be fighting other stuff. And mm. there are enough other mentions of Vong coming into places like that the idea that they're maybe fighting a few Vong picket fleets every so often mm-hmm. wouldn't be super out of the question. Like there is 4,000 years worth of Vong showing up in other places. Cause there's like the, uh, we know they're hanging around outside the galaxy for a while. Cause they're having their own little, mm-hmm. uh, fight between like Shimra and Quarial, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, the first time I read the series, I didn't realize Quarial was the guy's name. So I thought it was like <laughs> quo realis. So are they realists who believed in the status quo or what something? But it, it turned out just to be the guy's <laughs> name. Uh, but like, there's also the there's like a a Vong lady who's on Lord four thousand mm-hmm. years before Yavin as well. It it it's kind of messy. Yeah, totally messy. Um, oh well, way it goes, I guess. Uh, way the road. I, yeah, way way the road. Pissing in bottles in the extra galactic journey to the galaxy way the road yeah <laughs> anything else about the book that you wanted to uh to bring up or talk about uh no i think that's my thoughts on dark tide ruin you have a do you like, rating uh, you like oh i was gonna say do you like do you like the uh the dual phase lightsaber action we get in this i do i i don't know why it has to change color that just makes it <laughs> yeah. harder to put an empire at war yeah for sure uh a rating for this one um I definitely like this one less than the prior one. I think I gave, I might have given Onslaught an A. Um, hmm. I don't know if I want to give this one a B or a C. I'm in the same boat there. Which ones are average again? Uh, Right now, I think 
I think C and D, no, I think C is the, like, the middle, I guess other than, yeah. Uh, I might give this one a C, I think. I, I quite liked it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, just average. Yeah, me. I think it sounded like we're both harder on the book than we actually are. C is our, is our mode right now as well, and we've been, we're very top-heavy mm-hmm. on our rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's an insult to the book or Mr. Stackpole to, uh, no. No. to give it a... A C, yeah. Last time you gave uh, onslaught an A, I believe, and I gave mm-hmm. it a B. Okay. So yeah. we're dropping down to the C's for both of us. Because I'm just thinking about like what's coming, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of books that I because I've read the series very recently as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the other books that I just enjoyed more than this. And I, I think mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. I, I find I find the endings pretty contrived as well. <laughs> I mean, even the, not just the fact that it's a duel for the planet, but like the fact that the Vong just kind of cut and run and they get blasted. But also, they we should have mentioned this too. It's called the burning of Ithor because they basically destroy it with like chemicals. So yeah, well, they destroy it twice because like. First, you have the problem of, oh, they've sent in this uh, biohazard to eat the entire world. It's like, oh, it's already destroyed there. And I was like, oh, do I need to go downstairs? Did I misremember the book and change nope. the the stream title? But no, they, they burn it afterwards. They do that, and then they ignite the gases from it. So just well, in case there was any... I was unclear. Aren't the gases kind of ignited because the New Republic destroys the uh, Shadow Shai's flagship? Yeah, the yeah. Legacy of Torment's on fire and then dips into yeah. the... To the atmosphere yeah shit's on fire yeah so really the new republic kind of does it to themselves so does that mean that trace song is drops of jupiter or would that be uh mama Nadon? or no whatever whatever the new ethorian's name is mm, yeah i feel like back in the yeah atmosphere. i feel like i feel i feel like that's pretty appropriate actually or something about loving plants i don't know <laughs> <laughs> they they do be liking their plants. Rusted root. Oh, no, yeah. is that the is that the band or is that the song? No, oh, it's "Send Me on My Way" by Rusted Root. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so we got a bunch of questions between uh, our last few episodes. Uh, I've picked out some of the ones that are most related to this book, and then we'll. Because uh, next week's not going to be a book week. We'll have mm-hmm. more time to go through some of the other ones and any that we get sent to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. See how I work that in. Uh, but our first question for this week is from Matrix, who says, I know that in Outbound Flight, there are references to the Vong invading through Palpatine's vision of Maul fighting one in Darth Maul lockdown. But do you believe there could have been other Praetor at Vong during the thousand-year span between the last Sith Wars and the Clone Wars? Also, how long do you theorize it took them to take... It took them to travel between galaxies using their limited resources. We touched on this a little bit a couple minutes ago. I mean, there's definitely some because that one on Bimiel was before the Clone Wars. Um, Yeah. So I'm sure there were many others kind of incognito uh, throughout the galaxy. Because the I think the way they presented it, like it's taking a while, especially for some of the bigger world ships to get there. So these smaller detachments were able to keep going and. Uh, and sometimes they'd have to like rest. So 
Yeah, it's it's I, the way I kind of imagine it. Like I see it as being like a ten thousand year journey, like a very 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 long time, and the world ships stuck together for most of it, and then kind of because there is one during the old republic, perhaps that showed up, um, and then I think at some point probably there were several advanced fleets because there you, you hear about these big like histories along the way, you know, there are generations, generations, maybe 10,000 years is too much, but it seems like it was a very, very long time yeah. between galaxies. Cause they're essentially, they are essentially just traveling, not through hyperspace in their world ship. So, yeah. And we know that like the abominor and everything, the rest of the, the machine species from their galaxy got there long before they did. So the name of Seacot mm-hmm. got there before they did. They were v- going very slow on this whole journey. But. Yeah, and their ships were di- like they were losing ships. I imagine they were. I, I don't know if they were in the original world ships. Probably, I guess I don't know. But it's it also seems like they may have made some stops along the way. I believe yeah. there's some references to them conquering other. Yeah, it's unclear if the Chazrek are from their original galaxy or someone they conquered on the way. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they left their galaxy and headed straight for of the star wars galaxy either like they mm-hmm. didn't i don't think they really necessarily had a uh, a galaxy in mind when they started so mm-hmm. all the scouting plays into that as well but one thing that we uh that was interesting or cool with the duel is like the book opens with the with the sparring between oh yeah mara and corin and them mm-hmm. and he's basically practicing the trick that he uses to kill shy later on Mm-hmm. And everyone's Check- doubtful that it's actually useful for anything. Chekhov's life lightsaber technique. Yeah. <laughs> nice call forward. There yeah. was also the thing at the the Jedi meeting where Kip is at the podium and tells Luke, "Hey, you wanna you wanna come use this maybe so it can be easier to hear you." And Luke's mm-hmm. like, uh, "No, you should all trust what you hear with your with the Force in your heart." Like, Come on, man. Like, what? <laughs> use your words, sir. Yeah, Luke's just an absolute boomer. Um, <laughs> not in the ways that matter. He's struggling point, to turn on the, the microphone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Luke's like the he's basically like the uh, like the Christian camp counselor ex- who's like for some reason been dragged into now leading a, a war effort. <laughs> <laughs> like the 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 youth pastor. <laughs> That's more Ikrit. Yeah, fair enough. And he just dies. <laughs> Did your youth pastor not explode? I never had. No, I didn't either. No, my parents, my, my parents allowed me to be sinners. That's why we had kids yeah. before we were married. My wife and I. My dad yeah. was Catholic. My mom was Protestant. So I became an atheist at a very early age. Once my cousins told me I was going to hell. I basically decided I didn't want to go to church when uh, my mom would take us sometime. We just went to the the United Church, which is like yeah. the least crazy thing ever. But uh, when we went, my dad would always be home and he would just be like eating hash browns and like watching like Sunday morning like TV. And I'm like, this, this seems way better. So yeah, like, I actually did that with my grandpa because like my my dad stopped going to church after he married my mom. My mm-hmm. mom stopped going to church like the the whole interfaith stuff though it's catholic to protestant not a huge jump there but hey uh they just didn't have anywhere to go then they fell off theses but then i just uh i was at my my grandparents house once and my my grandpa was watching uh 
watching a church service on TV. It's like, this is at least better than church. So I'm glad I didn't go with grandma. <laughs> yeah. I, my version of that was kind of like, aside from the Sunday, just like on Christmas Eve, my, my dad and my grandmother would get drunk at home and my mom and her mom would go to church. So I was like, especially when I was older, it's like not hard to choose which way I wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> Become the degenerate drinker and have fun or <laughs> no, my, my parents right. aren't degenerates, but my grandmother was anyway. Our next question comes from Joel who says, so how far would you say the empire is being portrayed in this? Uh, or how would you say the empire is being portrayed in these stories? Actually, we pretty much talked about this. Yeah, at I think length. we covered that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, thank you, Joel and Matrix. Uh, next question is from Rocking Lemon, who says, first time questioner, long time listener, was curious on your opinion on the minimalist versus maximalist positions in both canon and legends. I've personally seen both or seen both in legends, depending on the source, but the Vong books you're currently reading, much more maximalist, but many older books were more scarce on numbers for ships. With canon, it seems like they've taken the more minimalist position, especially with what I saw in Alphabet Squadron books, where the flagship for Hera wasn't a clamber for the longest time. Yeah, I, I, for one, that's the Lodestar. And I actually thought the Lodestar was fine, especially yeah. where she does get the Star Destroyer upgrade later. Um, yeah, that's very, very soon after Endor. Yeah. And they're working um, on, like, in the middle of that, she's going and uh, passing certification for a Starhawk, too. So it's... Yeah. It's a Starhawk license. Um, yeah. I I, it, it, I think it's most apparent in Legends, definitely in some of the Bantam stuff. Uh, I, I kind of like how it... F I, I don't like the overly kind of, you know, Curtis Saxton, like kilojoules of or um, terajoules of laser power shooting ships from light years away like i don't like that um i i don't find the need to like have the universe be such that it wins online debates about like which faction is stronger yeah um which is very 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 important to a lot of people um but i i i i do find if I'm going to be bothered by one of the two, I'm usually bothered by the minimalist one where it's like the new Republic has six ships yeah, and they're all somewhere else. So they're about to lose Coruscant or whatever. Yeah. Like I think NJO usually handles it pretty well. Like there's some swinging from author to author and from story to story, but like ultimately yeah. they're there to serve a narrative purpose. And I think NJO mm -hmm. usually nails that pretty well. And uh, yeah. like, there's never really a, a, it's not too big of an issue in NJO where there will be uh, a fleet battle happening that feels like, oh, this should have been much bigger. This should have been much smaller. Yeah, I feel like the numbers in this one make sense. Um, they actually do get specific fleet numbers. There's four Star Destroyers, and I think eight victories plus support ships and yeah. a Mon Cal cruiser with, I think, reinforcements pending. And, you know, for for Ithor, where like the galaxy is not fully mobilized yet, uh, it felt about right to me. Yeah, like if I if I were trying to project it into a real galaxy or something, obviously mm -hmm. forces get much bigger uh, just because yeah. like the amount of resources available, even just comparing it to what like the size of a Navy on Earth looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, but that tends to not work as well for narratives when you're trying to make like, oh, this clutch moment from this starfighter pilot kills yeah. the enemy capital ship and then something cool happens, which is ultimately a lot more important than 
uh, setting up the world to exist in an external reality. Yeah, like that's one hundred percent true. Star Wars has, has kind of this issue as well, where like it will talk the talk, the twenty five thousand star destroyers, the you know hundred thousand systems in the Republic or whatever. But you know, everyone knows Han Solo. Um, the chimeras everywhere, and it's just kind of got to yeah. kind of got to roll with it. I do like how they mentioned that the leader of the resistance on Garki is Corin's ex girlfriend's <laughs> son. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. Um, I do like how there the we are getting reasons why like we're not seeing a hundred star destroyers attack the Vong is because they're attacking right down kind of the the political fracture point yeah. in the Empire. It is kind of weird that it, it almost presents it as if Raw Roost is the only thing happening on the outer rim for a while, but then you do get like, oh, this is Raw Roost's uh, support mm-hmm. ship. So there's at least the implication that other stuff is going on, and you can mentally fill that in to be whatever you want. Yeah, which is what it really like, needs to be. The Essential Guide to Warfare does that, where like yeah. it gives you more details about like the defense of Mon Calamari, for example, where it's like there were like three dreadnoughts there the whole time, which yeah. like yeah, that feels right when it comes to scale. Um, one thing I'm noticing in this book is especially in, in, in really these first books is the Vong are taking a lot of losses at this point. Um, yeah. Especially kind of with the knowledge that their invasion falters partially because they're not able to replace their soldiers. Um, they're losing a lot of soldiers. So. Yeah. Like uh, legacy of torment is not a, a minor ship and they lost a, one of the smaller world ships, I think at mm-hmm. uh, in the earlier or like at, at CERN partner. No, it's Helska. at Helska. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. they're they're not the biggest ships, but they are quite large. They're quite important. Like Legacy of Torment was It's like a superstar uh, destroyer. Yeah, it was a bunch of the smaller cruisers grafted together. Like it's mm-hmm. the one that looks like a mushroom colony. Where yeah. each of them is actually its own ship, but they're all turned into one. But uh, yeah. that's a that's a side point. But uh yeah, yeah like these are skeleton. big Yeah, these are these are big losses they're taking and mm-hmm. they've they've still all gotta get in there. Yep, yep. They're basically like it's it's like you got three of the boys in the club and you know the rest are waiting outside and like Joe's already fallen asleep and got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> Not a great start. Classic Joe. Yep. Joe is me. I'm Joe. I thought we were talking <laughs> about Biden. <laughs> no. All right. Well, anything else you wanna put on the docket for today? I guess we, we need to say what we're doing next week as well. Do we decide what we're doing next week? We haven't officially. I was going to say we have the opportunity of doing another question episode. We have Halo that we could talk about. Uh, is it the series finale? No, I think series finale is the week after next. Yeah, so... Maybe. So maybe not Halo. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, next use on Vong book in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I always want to call it Edge of Victory. It's not Edge of Victory. It's the James Lucino ones, I'm pretty sure. Is that? Oh, I have no idea which book is next. <laughs> I think it is James Lucina, Lucina next. Yeah. I believe the intro says, "You're up next, Jim." There's a funny little intro at the beginning of the book. Hey yo, um, Jim, let him in. <laughs> hey yo, Jim, let him in. Let him in. Yeah, the Vong are coming. Hey yo, Jim, let him in. Let him in. <laughs> uh, I don't know why funny. I. So Edge of Victory and James Lucino's. I always. I always flip. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to guess which is next. But it's Agents of Chaos. Agents of Chaos, okay. Um, 
what to do next week. We probably should have talked about this. Hmm. There's also comics we could go into. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like any short stories or anything as well. Um All right. Maybe we'll talk about this uh Yeah, we'll off, figure it out. Off air. Yeah, we'll try we'll to have an answer. Uh, we'll tweet it out by Sunday what we're gonna be doing. Yeah. Uh, yep. probably earlier, but I I'm giving us room to forget. Either way. And maybe you can edit it into uh into the actual Yeah, I'll edit it into episode. the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. So that is gonna do it for this week's edition of Tap Calf Transmissions. We'll be back on a regular schedule for the foreseeable future. So next week we'll have whatever we're talking about. Then the week after that, we are going to have Agents of Chaos One and we'll continue on the Vong War from there. But Hopefully things turn around and everything's okay. I have some bad news about how this is going for. <laughs> There's still 16 what? books to go. Yeah, I, I mean, diplomacy seemed like it was on the right path, right? They're going to work it out. We've got two out of three major deaths out of the way. Are there more than three major deaths? Uh... Major deaths being characters who existed before NJO. But I we think got, we're... Uh... Mara and Luke's uh, sleeping patterns as they get the new baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that happen here, though? Is that what... Was it Ithor where they, they made a little Ben? Kind of seemed like it, didn't it? We'll have to we'll have to keep track of that timing. We got a Winter and Akbar sighting coming up ahead. A lot to look forward to is the point. Definitely. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, consider dropping, I almost said a like, a five-star review on your favorite podcast service. Say nice things about us on social media. Always send us your emails and, you know, keep an eye next week. I think we're going to have a fun episode then. But if that's it, have a good one, guys, and goodbye.